listening to Sound and Process, Episode 8. I'm Dan Dirks. Thank you so much for joining me. Sound and Process is an exploration of the Artists of Lines, the community that formed out of the forum for Eurorack Module and instrument maker Monom. The first time I heard Emily Sprague's music was on Lines. Somebody had posted a video of hers, Three Sisters in Harmonic Oscillator, that had captured their attention as a high watermark. It's easy to understand how. It's straightforward and earnest exploration of a beautiful module through a looped melody you could listen to for hours seemed the work of a seasoned pro. Somebody else commented, revealing that the synthesist was Emily Sprague from the band Florist. And while they brought up that Emily had just started working with modular synths in the last year, digging deeper revealed that the video was actually made in her second week. Beyond the quality of her music, which has only swelled over the last year, what's fascinating about Emily's work is how public her process has been. While most whittle away for months, releasing new work only after long incubation, Emily seems to revel in sharing each step of her growth in real time, which, as we'll learn later, is a direct response to the trajectory of her own self-education. If you're new to modular synthesis, this is the episode for you. If you're deeply settled, this is the episode for you. Emily has retained a beginner's mind while leveraging her rich, decade-long background as a musician, producer, and engineer to create music that is playful and emotional while remaining technically impressive. As you'll notice, there are more music breaks in this episode than previous ones. Due to my own fandom and Emily's generosity, you're the first to hear the demos that will make up her much-anticipated modular album. Beyond her talents, Emily is an insightful and passionate addition to the Lions community, and personally, I hope her reflections help anyone who feels that their voice is un- or underrepresented in this field to join the conversation at Lines. L-L-L-L-L-L-L. It's 8Ls.co. Now, let's dive into Sound and Process with Emily Sprague. seems that sound is a sincere interest and root for you not just like being in bands and creating music but very specifically the manipulation and the shaping uh, of sound yeah when I first started playing music and really incorporating that like into my life it was right aligned with um, recording you know just for whatever reason it was like I was interested in not just writing Um, a song, but also taking it and trying to capture it somehow. And, you know, my parents had a small, like, cassette recorder, you know, it doesn't even have, like, an input jack, just has a little (laughs) built-in microphone. And I still have that, you know, with me. I bring it around with me everywhere. I use it all the time. I love it. Um, But that was, like, one of the first things I started recording on. And then I had um, a laptop with a pinhole microphone and... (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was that just, you know, very, very rudimentary, like lo-fi recordings. And I started like recording covers of other songs. And then I eventually started recording my own songs. And that whole process was just all about the sound, you know, applying like the plugins and, you know, effects and all that stuff and just kind of creating this thing that was, I guess, a modern version of the old like folk recordings that I really loved so much. Mm. So it began like that. And then the moment when I think everything really just kind of exploded for me was I was maybe like 16 and like online or something, I discovered 
that you can get USB microphones. And I saved up, like it was like $100. And I asked my dad to drive me over to, it was like, I don't know, Radio Shack or Best Buy, something like one of those small town like box stores. And I got this USB microphone. I think it was maybe like a Samsung or some, you know, some like very mainstream brand like that. And I got home, I plugged it into my computer, I loaded up like GarageBand and I just started, you know, I put a little reverb on the track and I just started, um, I just started playing with my guitar and singing or whatever. And I was just like, oh my God, this is just, this is insane. Cause I, I had only ever heard this process through the listening glass of like the pinhole microphone or the built-in microphone on some like completely crappy little cassette recorder and just just that that moment that like realization of like I'm gonna you know I'm just gonna keep chasing this like for the rest of my life this is just the coolest thing that (laughs) you know you can just keep the sound can just keep getting better and better and then that was I mean that was the beginning of the rabbit hole really um and then, you know, pretty much since then, I've just been accumulating and upgrading. And I went from the USB microphone to uh, like a two channel interface and a regular condenser microphone. It, it became just this like obsession and sound was at that point for me, it was through recording, you know, like I was creating sounds through recording and then manipulating the recordings. Mm -hmm. But then I got my first keyboard, which was a Casio SK-1. And when I discovered the envelopes, they have like underneath every key, you can like press a button on the keyboard and then press a press a key, like an actual key Mm. and change um, like the envelope for the preset. <laughs> it's a, it's like a very bizarre feature yeah. that they had on that keyboard. And I, I, at first I was like, I don't really know what this is. Like, I'm just going to play. Cause I, I just was like, Oh my God, the flute sound like, like this is awesome. <laughs> but that was a, that, that was a huge moment for me in terms of like the building blocks of you could make the envelope have like a really fast attack or a really sort of slopey kind of like wobble and I would just select those different things and just be like oh my god like what (laughs) why is this happening like what is this doing and it was it was really a great discovery for me and then I kept recording and I kept seeking out the next sort of like way to discover more like sound possibilities discover more tools and I think that the next like major thing for me was probably I moved out of my parents house um, when I was 17 and I moved to Albany New York which was at the time it was like you know just the easiest kind of closest city move for me and I knew some people um, my two best friends who are in florist with me they were living up there and I was starting to collaborate with them at that time Hmm. and we all were hanging out one night and Rick um one of my bandmates he got a Moog Rogue and 
we were just like sitting around kind of like zonked a little bit like just listening to it <laughs> like just listening <laughs> to like the basic like really slow kind of keep like key changes and stuff and I we were everybody was just like oh my god and that that was like one of the I feel like defining moments of um, my interest in synthesis um, mm. because it again it's like kind of similar to when I heard the USB microphone um, after hearing the pinhole microphone it's like that that hearing that difference and then thinking about like why does that happen how did that happen how can I chase that and like continue to like you know, get these very different and like, you know, interesting sounds. It was the same for like, you know, going from the Casio to the, to the Moog and just hearing that and just being like in awe of it basically. How did that affect then the way that you were working with guitars? I feel like the introduction of synthesizers into my guitar music really didn't change the guitar music that much. It kind of just changed the the final the final outcome. Really, like we have um, a new florist record coming out, and it, it it is folk and sort of minimal and all that sounding, but there is modular and other synths and all kinds of like weird like sample based stuff just kind of sprinkled in and i think it was always i guess the vision of mine to combine those two elements because it just doesn't seem like the thing that i want to be doing to to just make folk music or make guitar music like it always has been done you know it's been mastered and, and it's been mastered and you know combining electronics with it but because I was just both so interested in just recording on a really raw level but also interested in synths and um, more like ambient sounds you know I just thought that combining the two would be just kind of the the best way to just do all the things that I enjoy, really. <laughs> Modular is a pretty recent thing for me. I, you know, experimented with all different kinds of, like, hardwired synths. Mm. Like, we've been using the Rogue for a while, and that, you know, did a good deal of teaching synthesis to me and also to my bandmates so you know it kind of became a language that we started sort of speaking in in terms of music and I got myself an ARP Odyssey and that was sort of the the first synth that I personally owned that you know didn't have any presets or couldn't you know you, you couldn't you had to do all the synthesis like building blocks yourself to actually get it to make the sound that you wanted which was I think that was a really like important step for me coming up to Eurorack and modular because you know I did I learned like if you hear something that is wobbly or whatever you know it's because it has an LFO on it or you know those are just very basic concepts of like synthesis that 
really helped me because for the longest time I was like, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm interested in modular, but it doesn't, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's like the thing that I really want to do. Cause I, I didn't know that you could make this types of sounds that I love so much on modular. I was mm. really fixated on trying to get those sounds with guitar pedals actually. And I think that's where a lot of people that I know of like have come from when going into modular. It's like they used to play electric guitar and like we're trying to get all of these sort of like ambient, like wiggly sounds and even all the pedals now that are, that are being made, I feel like are very geared towards that more experimental thing, which is really cool. But yeah, for so long, I just, I didn't know that it would, that that's what you could do with a modular. I just kind of thought that it was just like all techno or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I discovered some really, really great artists on YouTube and it just made so much sense to me. I was just like, oh, wow, I, I think I want to try this. And then mm. the recording timeline has always been going along with synths too, which is funny and and kind of makes sense to me like why I like do the things that I do with recording and with playing synths it's just so hand in hand to me I don't know it's it's really I've always um you know wanted to use synths to create like a full picture like in a in a in a track of a song that I was writing like mm. it was always using um, since after doing the guitar stuff and doing vocals, whatever, that kind of stuff, um, to create this like feeling, like to create the atmosphere and to, I guess it's always mostly been about feelings, like recreating feelings. And with the modular, it's like, I, I feel like I, I discovered it at a time when I was trying to always do that, but it, I didn't like always want to be doing it with songwriting um and then I discovered that with the within the modular you know you can make like just all these different voices and get the same feeling as like a whole piece mm -hmm. just within it um which is just the most beautiful thing to me really like that the modular will just pl play you know amongst itself <laughs> so clear that emotionality is important to you so it's it's wild to hear uh you talk about doing that with something that doesn't have language i'm starting to think that it does have language <laughs> that's that's the thing you know the way that i've sort of grown into modular music is so you start you know the basics and that's how you can actually patch something up. But after that point, it's like more and more, I'm finding that I'm most interested in like modular patches and like compositions that are very generative. And it's like, I know what I'm patching, but it feels like the language, like the way that this electricity, I guess, you know, speaks to each other and like just creates something that, that just, it, it lives like after you're done touching it. It's just, you know, I, I like leave stuff going for sometimes days at a time and I'll just like come and 
you know, push my master fader up on my mixer and it'll just be like a completely different thing, (laughs) but it'll still, you know, it's still like a little bit reminiscent of like what I originally, you know, kind of told it to, to, to sound like, but has just kind of gone off and grown with like its existence (laughs) in, in that own way. That was a discovery that I, you know, you can only make that discovery after you've played a, a modular synth but once I realized that I was just I was just like wow this is this is really something honing in on the early stages of you exploring the modular, you have a video that is like one of the very first patches that you did when you got your system together. And I I just, I think that that's so extraordinary to be open and interested in sharing that and to be vulnerable (laughs) to share that. But how did you approach those early stages of learning and of exploring the instrument that you were putting together? I first began with just, um, you know, doing a ton of research. I'm like the kind of very obsessive, you know, like read about everything, watch videos on every, you know, like if there's something that I'm interested in, I just will completely go mad, um, like taking in information (laughs) about it, which is when I decided, it's like when I get an idea in my head, I'm just like, that's it, it's over, you know? So when I decided <laughs> um, to take this plunge into this thing that that I, you know, really was intimidated by at first, I was like, you know, I, I don't know, this just seems like just insane to learn. Um, I read a lot, you know, I went on the forums and I started planning the system and I was actually on another forum called um, I Love Fuzz. It's like a guitar forum that I um, was on a lot when I was um, younger. And at this time, there was like, people were kind of starting to like get into Eurorack, you know, the guitar guys. Mm. And this guy was doing a trade and he had a bunch of Eurorack stuff. And I had some pedals and like a rack effects unit and like some other stuff, I forget. And he was driving through New York. I was living in New York City. And we did a big trade and I got my first case, which was like 6U and he traded me, I think it was like a Nebulae, the the Qubit sample player and a pingable envelope generator and like a Maleco VCA. And then I, I had bought off of a form the uh, Spectrum Multiband Resonator because that was like very high on my list. Mm. And, you know, I just, I was like so excited. I got all the modules. I just, I had like five of them or whatever and I put them all in the case and I just, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to describe exactly, I guess, what um, what you do when you first sit down with a, with a modular and you've never touched one before. But I, I basically just wanted to make something that sounded pretty. Mm. So I think I got some, like a, a river sample loaded up into the Qubit and I put that through the SMR and I changed the, the frequency bands, um, you know, like the position of the, 
of the frequency on the SMR and cranked the resonance up. So it was like kind of ringing a little bit. And that was like just my my process, I guess, was just, you know, make it sound melodic, like tonal, you know, make it sound simple. Because I've always I always knew that I was always going to be ambient, mostly minimal, like ambient stuff with the with the modular. That's just you know, what I'm, what I'm interested in doing. It's like what I mostly feel a relationship with like musically. So that was always, you know, the goal, like going into a patch, it was never to make like a really complicated beat or, you know, really specific, um, like quantization types of things. Like it was always kind of like just, um, you know, I'm going to try to just make this sort of vague like feeling sound thing and then just see what happens and then just tweak knobs and Mm -hmm. you know you just learn by plugging things into each other I'm the type of person that has to learn something from doing it myself like I can read all the manuals front and back like a hundred times and I won't learn the things that I'll that I will you know be able to learn from actually patching the modules so I usually just skip (laughs) right to that (laughs) part (laughs) and uh it's been working so far (laughs) for me I'm I've, I've been able to understand the the concepts but um you know I I know basic music theory I'm not like I'm not like a, uh, you know, really crazy whiz on anything like that. And, you know, I, I, I take in a lot of the information. Like I try, I try to learn as much as I can by yeah. reading and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's like spending, you know, five hours with the synth or whatever is like, that's, that's when I'm going to really, really learn and like take stuff away. Yeah. Um, I love that your early experiences with your system were rooted in exploring recorded material through, Mm. you know, through the filter. At what point uh, did you start bringing in voices? I pretty quickly learned, probably within a couple days, (laughs) that I was going to (laughs) need, that I was going to need a a sequencer. Um, So I started with the pressure points and brains, and I got a quantizer. And the sequencing was a big thing for me. You know, I love sequencing because it's like, you can just make it like a very basic, like boop, 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 you know, but you can also just make it not have any sense to it at all. And I love that. And it just plays forever. Um, so when I got into, um, I started, you know, learning and discovering the sequencer, I started really trying to layer voices and a big, I wouldn't maybe call it a crutch, but it's like something that I just do in almost every single patch is, I'll have like the high voice, the middle voice and the low voice. And, and Mm. it usually is, um, the high voice will be something that is like pinged. Um, and it's usually in stereo and it's usually very kind of like sparkly or like, you know, like fluttery or whatever. And then the low voice is usually a bass drone that doesn't necessarily go through a sequencer, but like, you know, through various methods will have a slight 
note changes or like maybe just like timbre changes and then the middle voice will be you know the main melody of something playing like very noticeably through a sequencer and that began to be like my sort of the foundation of patches um just because I like that balance like that sort of like nice like um three-part like relationship Mm. and yeah that I started doing it like that and you know I like to add like noise for a fourth or fifth voice like textural aspect or you know like on maybe another sample of some kind of natural sound or just you know just another like really lush sort of like layer a lot of the times even like the reverb you know the pre-delay that kind of just like adds even a whole other layer is something like very striking about taking a base tonal relationship and allowing the system to then work it out how it wants. You have this great quote on songwriting and composition where you say that you vaguely tell your system what to play and then you just listen. Yeah, that that's the thing that I love the most about the modular and it's true, you know, you don't really need any background in in theory or anything like that but it is just you know I can only speak for myself I just personally have always just you know what's really hit me the hardest you know it's always been about like the melodies like about just those are you know the 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 specific like note changes even like one note to another that in a song or in a, in a composition mm. can just make you just go like, Oh my God, like I, yeah. I feel so much from this right now. And I have no idea why it's like, those are, those are, have always been the, the things about music that originally made me fall in love with, with like composition and also keep me so like endlessly just like obsessed and entertained by playing and making music. Um, so I think that's a lot of where my modular um, work comes from is just like, it's so tonal, it's so melodic because that's just, that's what I've always loved. It's it's what I've always tried to do with my, you know, songwriting. Obviously there's lyrics in that too, but it's like, you know, that marriage, that's a whole other, <laughs> whole other topic though. <laughs> Those moments of archiving come as separate from the direct compositional process, right? I mean, sometimes I definitely do just, you know, I'll just go grab my computer as fast as I can and like, you know, go and and record it if something is just starting to really sound good. But every time I sit down with the synth and start to patch something up, it's like I'm not like okay i'm going to i'm i'm going to try to to make a song today or like i'm going to try to right. make a composition that i'm going to like record today it's usually like oh i want to learn more about this module or like i want to try this this um technique or like you know whatever and then i'll make a patch out of it for to give it like some context and then you know if it ends up being something that i like then it gets recorded but the decision is is not always premeditated yeah 
you know, after that initial sort of like just planning and like the execution of the patch, it's the decision just to to remove it from its world, really. It's like you're you're capturing it. Like it's like capturing a wild animal or something. It's like um, a lot of, you know, a lot of my patches, I just, you know, tear down um, or take notes on just for vague reminders of things. Um, but the ones that I record and the ones that I make videos of, there's usually a moment where I'm just like, this is too nice sounding to me like either I'm too proud of this or I'm too like attached to this to to just let it go forever um which is um not very zen of me I guess but It's usually just a moment where I'm just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record this. And then what I will do is, depending on the patch, if it, if it feels like it's too repetitive for me, I'll... Because I, I like to have the recordings be usually not shorter than like five minutes. And sometimes, you know, I have recordings that are like 15 or 20 minutes long um, because I just, you know, felt like it could just go for that long. But it's usually that kind of like just those types of editing decisions like I'll add in some kind of modulation that will slowly change it a little bit or you know fade stuff out or add something at the end or sometimes just keep it simple and sometimes that's all that you know it really it really needs but it's just um yeah just this like this feeling that it's something that's worth um archiving Taking it further and talking about live performance, you, again, had this really nice quote. When you bring something in front of an audience, they haven't heard it for the hundredth time. Um, right. <laughs> and I think there's a self-consciousness with all of us to be like, God, I got, I got to make this thing like a three-minute pop song somehow, right. even though it's this sprawling ambient landscape. Um, <laughs> so when you bring a patch out, for performance. How do you retain that almost beginner's mind feel where you can explore with the audience and and try to listen with them uh, rather than Mm -hmm. let your artist's critical mind get in the way? Well, when I perform modular live, I always know like what I'm going to patch up um, ahead of time. So it will be a patch that I already have been working with and, and practicing, like I know it, but it also will sound completely different every time. And then I, you know, basically will just start by fading in one voice and playing with that a little bit, kind of like doing things that would make me or, you know, did make me when I was first doing it be like, oh, that sounds nice. Like, that's cool. That's interesting. Mm. Um, You know, do that and then fade in another voice and um, give it more movement and start, you know, adding patch points to just kind of like, you know, not change it. I I definitely never try to change anything too much, even though I am like when I'm performing, like really overly self-aware of if I feel like something is stagnant, even though it's like absolutely not. (laughs) Um, I'm like, oh no, like this is boring or whatever. But then 
usually after the show, you know, people will be like, man, I could have listened to that for, cause it's ambient music and it's people who, people who love ambient music. So it's like, man, I could have listened to that for, you know, like 20 more minutes or whatever. And I'm just like, Oh really? Like I was nervous the whole time that it wasn't, um, changing enough, but I just try to stick to the things that, you know, make me excited that I like. Um, when I was really young, I, was, you know, thinking about playing music, like for a living, like I was like, you know, I just want to dedicate my life to this, like, but I had never, I didn't really have anybody in my life that other than um, my mom and dad that, that really, at this point, told me that I could do that or like supported me or like thought that it was good in any way. And it was like somebody on YouTube or I don't know, somebody on TV or something I read somewhere. It was an artist saying like, if you like what you're making, then somebody else will. And it is true. It's proven to be true. So that's what I try to keep in mind when I'm performing and when I'm making, you know, recordings as well. But for performance, it's like, yeah, people, people don't know what you're going to do next. So whatever happens next they're still listening for it you know there's something calming about that that people are generally on your side yeah when you do performances like what duration do they run and is it just you bring a base patch that you can then go through the process that you just described yeah the performances are usually about a half an hour and the patches that i bring for performance are sort of the ones that are like my like trusty old (laughs) patches like that i have written down in my book that contain movements they definitely could be changed to seem like different compositions Mm -hmm. which is kind of like what i wanted to create when I booked my first um, modular performance I was like okay I'm going to just make a patch that I can you know change and give movements for half an hour and you know give this this effect that that it's multiple pieces which you know in a sense it is Uh, maybe in the future I'll try you know doing more actual distinct different pieces but for now yeah it's just like a 30 minute performance with pretty obvious like movements what are the gestures or patch decisions that you'll make um a lot of it is uh really tempo based it will usually begin in uh some kind of like swelling um with drones or just very sort of quiet like Um, textural stuff happening and then you'll start to hear sort of like the main theme come in or whatever it's like talking about it like this is it feels like very like um like Fantasia or something but it's very like (laughs) it's very like um textbook like the movements happen you know like it gets like it builds up and then reaches like sort of a peak and then I I used um Tempe the make noise like clock module a lot because I just love how you can just tap it just feels so natural instead of like turning a knob it's like I actually know what the tempo is going to be because I'm just like tapping it um and they can also you know you they all are at different speeds and stuff so what everything that's going uh, that's getting clocked from that will just like you can change the tempo in like a really drastic way or even change like the rhythm of everything and it'll still all be like locked together so that was something that I that I've done a lot um then it will usually float back down to a little bit more like ambient again maybe I love 
doing feedback stuff with the the three sisters filter that's like one of the best sounding things to me it's just like it 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 self-oscillates so nicely and if you kind of like ride the uh quality and span knobs at the same time you can kind of change the note and get it to like swell in and out it's just that's like my favorite thing to do um live it seems like it's it's hard to keep something interesting um on the on the modular but there are just so many ways to change it and a lot of the times when you just change one thing a little bit it like really makes a huge difference so that's been something that I've always um leaned on in performance like just changing things just a little bit and it kind of just will take off and change everything the impulse to begin sharing publicly your process with your system? I mean, I guess I was just, um, when I first started researching modular and trying to, um, you know, figure out what I was going to do, like finding inspiration for it, there were less than a handful of people on YouTube that I found that were actually like, doing the kinds of things with the modular that I was really interested in. It was like um, Light Bath and R. Benny were the ones that I like really, those were the two that I really just found and really inspired me. And also Caitlin Aurelia Smith is like my like <laughs> idol. <laughs> I'm like, I can't even believe that she exists. It's so cool. I'm so inspired um, by her and... You know, that was another thing, just just being um, a woman in this uh, very, very male dominated thing. Um, And I wanted to I wanted to do that. And I I think it's cool, you know, that that could inspire other people to do their ambient videos or just learn. And um, that's the same thing with with documenting it and with writing out patch notes. It's like, you know, I'm not. I'm not making modular music to coin some kind of, you know, genre or claim uh, my territory or anything like it's it's totally for everybody. Mm, So I love documenting the patches to share because when I was looking for inspiration and looking for like things to learn and how to self-educate myself, it was through that kind of stuff, like through videos and through forums and stuff like that, where I learned from people's willingness to share and that just inspired me to to share myself is there an impact on your growth by having these phases be on the record yeah i think that the journey you know is is always forward moving and the the documentation of older pieces it definitely does give me perspective um onto like how I have learned more you know since it's like that first video that I did put up it's like that I think that was literally the first patch I ever made Mm. and I have listened to that a couple times like in the past few months and been like wow like that was really basic like I I really was just learning but I, I just love that I don't know I'm not um 
maybe it's because I've, I've been sharing my music now for a while with florist and really even in a more personal way. I mean, cause that music is just totally putting myself out there, but I think it, it is all part of the, the growth process and especially patch note documentation. It's like if you read something and you, after you're done reading it, you immediately like tell the friend or whatever, um, what you just read about, you're going to remember what it is, but I'm totally self-educated, like in everything. I never went to college, um, or anything. And it's just at this point for me, it's like the way that I learn is through sharing things or through documenting them because otherwise I wouldn't be learning. your approach to uh, your patch notes? Yeah, so patch notes are interesting because first I had to kind of settle on, I guess, like just the language nomenclature like that I was going to use to just like write it down in the first place. And I have a patch notebook. And if it's a patch that I, again, similar to like if I want to record it, if it's a patch that I think is going to be valuable to write down. A lot of the times for me, it's like writing it down is sort of the thing that is the most valuable to me versus having it saved somewhere. It's like when I write the connections down, it like clicks in a certain way to me where I'm more likely to be able to um, just patch it up again without kind of having to really think about it because it's like the easier it is to just kind of like you know be set up and hit record or just just be ready to go like the the more free-flowing things happen I think Mm. at least for me you know I have to have all my stuff set up and like ready to go you know if I have to like plug in my my patch bay or whatever every single time I'm just like you know what like I'm just gonna (laughs) I'm just gonna do this tomorrow or something it's like I don't (laughs) so I've learned I learned that a while ago you know just to leave everything ready so it's kind of like mentally the same thing with patch notes it's like writing down the notes is sort of like in my mind setting up for the next time. Mm. So even if I do refer back to the notes, which I do sometimes, um, I think I've, you know, I rarely will actually try to recreate a patch entirely because that's sort of just become like not really aligned with like the, the philosophy of the Eurorack that I've um, yeah. come to like really follow. But I enjoy writing them down because it's like, it's just sort of like a brain exercise for learning the technical aspects of the the patch connections and does help me just be able to think about it in a way where I can, you know, just patch efficiently. Because mm. I've definitely run into a lot of walls before where I'm like, I want to make a certain sound, right? And you kind of know what to do, but it's like you, you, you also can't quite get it to sound right. It's like those moments after I get something like that, I write the patch down and just, just writing it down, just having it is like a way that my brain will have some way to sort of reference back to it. Mm. But I, I do share them, um, on the YouTube videos sometimes. Um, if I have like really good ones, which 
which I I, I want to be more diligent about doing because I think that is like helpful um, and it's just like a nice way to document for myself as well. through a pretty intense process of building and then stripping back down your system. Yeah. So I started with a 6U case. I filled that up. This was at like, you know, the beginning stage. Like I was, I was really just in complete obsessive like (laughs) exploration mode like I just I needed to just like experience (laughs) as much of it as I could so I was like buying and selling modules just like trying just trying to understand really like what the differences were because the first thing that's so overwhelming about Eurorack is that there are like now at this point it's just so many different makers and it's just like when you start I mean geez there are so many modules to choose from and like most things in my life I just decided to get the ones really that I thought looked the coolest (laughs) (laughs) um and uh because like aesthetics I guess have always been something that I that I I love and hold dearly um in, in the things of my life so that was part of it and also just you know I quickly realized that all of the things that people said like oh you need to have maths or you need to have like you know five different VCAs or whatever in your 6U rack and like all of that stuff was just like no (laughs) (laughs) that's all just totally an opinion like (laughs) I actually don't want any of those things because I everybody does it differently it really is just so so subjective to how you work like what sounds you like like what kind of learner you are I mean that's a huge part of it like I can't do a lot of like menu diving like that's just not Mm. you know my thing I do have the ornaments and crime module right now but I I love that because I just leave it on one thing and I have saved the setting and I and I just use it for one or two things but yeah it it was it was a very intense process of I'm just discovering and trying out all these different things and just figuring out what I gel with and then once I got a little bit more fluent in like just the the language and the execution of patching I expanded to a 9U case and that was really great. I, I still have it. I haven't sold it yet. Um, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to feel out what, what's going to happen, but that was a really great size for me. I, I really like that size, um, but ultimately monome really was the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge Mm. i had always like wanted a grid i had always had my eye on that in like some capacity i wanted one because it's just aligns with everything that i like like to bring to music making um once i did that and i added it to like my like huge system i was just like you know what 
this is just too much for me. Like, I just, I'm not feeling the same about it. Like, it's still great and it's still really fun and inspiring, but like, I have everything that I need just in a few of these modules that I just love. Like, I have all of the mannequin stuff and I just, I just love his design so much. I just think that they're so, so beautiful and they just gel with like the way that I work and um you know same with mono and a lot of the mutable instrument stuff um I I knew you know over the past like year and a half I've just come to just know so much more about how I work with the modular that I was able to pare it down back to 6U now with um the grid as my like main sequencer and the arc for all kinds of modulation stuff and that just you know it takes up a lot less space in the rack for you know more sound generators and stuff like that so also I've been on like sort of a paring down my life in all of these ways to just be more like intentional about everything and um yeah that that was that's pretty much it um I mean, who knows what what will happen? I might <laughs> go go back to my gluttonous ways, but <laughs> and it's like that's that's just what it is, you know. Like totally. I'm I'm fine admitting it. Like it's just like a complete addiction to just like waiting for the post office to come and getting the new module. I mean, that's just what it is. There's no 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 use in trying to <laughs> make it anything else. But but I also you know do have a genuine like addiction to like trying new things and like like needing to know like you know what something sounds like we we definitely live in a world where like I know people that I'm friends with that I've known for years that are like signed to (laughs) you know like the biggest labels like having like like huge booming careers and they you know they record their albums with like one microphone you know it's like that's just (laughs) that's just the world that we live in now I mean it's like you can mix your whole record on on earbuds and I know people who do that too (laughs) and it's like everybody that's making music now that's like relatively DIY has all this experience from doing it exactly like that it's 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 not the same like there are no more like just it's just generations of like going into the 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 crazy studios and you know learning that way so for me I I learned over the years of just making these shifts upward you know like just climbing the ladder and you know now it's like every studio that I've ever had has been in the place that I've been living and it's like I've I've learned about acoustics I've learned about diffusing you know the different frequencies that like color your mixes and where you position mics and where you put your speakers and just that kind of stuff is like you just learn that from just time and time again being in spaces that aren't treated like studio bees you know it's like you just learn to work with you know, what you have and recording the modular has been kind of just an extension of that for me, um, treating it as an instrument that I would be basically DIing. The way that I've settled on that I really like is 
um, it's like I think of the modular almost as like a drum kit that has like five mics on it. It's like I have five channels coming out of my modular and I basically do a sub mix, like a pre-mix on my K-Mix mixer, which I just got for the purpose of modular because it just seemed like a really practical um, piece of gear to have for um, if I wanted to travel or anything like that. And then I send that just direct into my interface and record it into Logic. And the recording process for modular is always... It's it's so much easier than I <laughs> like would mm-hmm. would expect it to be. I think it's because I, I I really really like to mix it before I put it into the computer because I know that if I have five separate tracks of like five different voices, I'm gonna just like completely just go too far with mixing it in yeah. the computer. I, I feel like I would just start like putting EQ and like compress the different things, but it's like really. I, I don't think it really needs that. Um, a lot of the times I will compress a little bit just on the master track and sometimes add like a little bit of reverb in Logic or tiny bits of EQ, like if something is, if the mids are like muddying it up, that kind of thing. But it's like the, that whole process of like mixing and producing the track as a as a recorded piece like once it's in the computer is really the most minimal of all of the you know recording projects that I've done um because you know when I mix it on the mixer every everything is very intentional you know the levels and I even will EQ sometimes on there um but it just feels like again it's like just sort of a vague like philosophy kind of idea with the modular um just being like an organism and I don't want to I don't want to change it so much I don't want to like try to make it sound better because I already think it sounds great Mm. and there's nothing that needs to be fixed you know it's not like when I'm recording guitar or live acoustic instruments it's like you know sometimes you have to compress something because there's like a really harsh like you know, squeak or something, or like, you know, there, there is some kind of noise that got into the really high end and and you, 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 you tweak that stuff, but it's like with the modular, it's so just immediately, like it's just coming right out of these like beautifully made, (laughs) um, electronics and they just sound so good to me that I don't, I don't want to, you know, really edit it that much. While listening to the demos that you sent over, um, they are incredibly well mixed. It's very <laughs> oh, wow. cool. It's very cool to be like, cool, this was pretty much just a stereo out <laughs> that uh, you just spent time crafting within the system. Yeah. Rather than spending a hell of a lot of time afterwards. Yeah, that's that's what's always been the most like rewarding process for me with, with the modular. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I I definitely have like an emotional relationship with um with music and mixing. I think I learned that from you know recording my the songs that I've written for Florist, which are incredibly like emotion based songs, and the production of those songs is just so so crucial. It's so important to me that um, 
you know, the, the, the instrumentation and like the production and it, it's all matching, um, what the song is about. So it's sort mm-hmm. of like, um, one of the first projects that I started, but never really followed through with when I was, um, starting to make instrumental ambient kind of synthesizer music was with the ARP. And I wanted to make these like invisible lyrics compositions because it's again, it's just like all, it all comes back to this idea of like just everything having so much like emotional weight. I don't know why (laughs) exactly, but I was doing this project where the compositions would be like instrumentals and then there would be a little booklet of like just words to go along with the music that like they fit together and that's always been something with the modular that I've you know I've I, I started with it with that approach and it's just something that's grown um even now to the demos that I sent you for like hopefully the the modular record it's like um I'm trying to convey this feeling of like um you know there is there's it's more than just like electricity like in this has always been something that I've um, known to be incredibly hard to find and also like just the best and most rewarding and inspiring thing that you can really experience and a lot of you know the stuff that I'm interested in is you know, I'm from a small town, like, in a pretty rural area. I I didn't really find, like, you know, people until I was older that I, you know, felt really, really a part of, you know, a community with, with making music and, you know, just, like, having tastes even align in, in, in ways. And um, discovering lines was definitely just one of those moments where I was just like, wow, I can't believe that, like, this exists. I can't believe that this exists because it just seems kind of too good to be true. Like, everyone is just so nice and so thoughtful and so just, like, just shares all of the same, like, interests and, like, ideas about what making art is and about what like being a good person is and being like a contributor to the world via like a community in whatever way that they can be and it's like it's just the best I mean it's it's really cool and it was actually um Brian from Lightbath who told me about lines because we had been talking on the other forums a little bit because I I love his videos and you know we just kind of started talking and 
I was just basically just like, thank God. Like, <laughs> I was like, I really needed this because it's uh, it can be very like um, isolating when when you're you're unable to feel like anyone else is um, sharing, you know, the things that you think about and the ways that you think about them, and definitely like monome and lines and everyone that's that's a part of making that a reality is is a uh, really really good people so definitely glad that that exists thank you so much for joining us for this episode of sound and process with emily sprig Emily is on tour with her band Florist, whose new record, If Blue Could Be Happiness, is out on September 29th. I hope that you felt inspired to join the conversation at Lines. Thank you so much for listening.